0: We're back uh, with AmeriCorps Connections podcast, and I am going to try to stay focused on this podcast and keep the conversation going. Number one, my cat has decided to use her cat tree again, so she is joining us in the background. I'm very happy she was a, she was afraid of it for a while, but now she's back, um, and I'm really excited to be having a conversation with a friend um, that we met during the pandemic. We joined committees together and I'm just super excited. Um, before we get started, if this is your first time listening to the AmeriCorps Connections podcast, I'm Nikki Fiaco. I'm a proud AmeriCorps alum. I served in state national program um, with Volunteer Maryland and I made my through myself, I made my way through the ranks um, in different, um, different positions through uh, national service in AmeriCorps and While my service was really impactful and I impacted the community that I was in, one of the things that I really learned was networking and connections. And that's what really drove me to to want to produce and do this podcast because I wanted to continue connecting with AmeriCorps members and AmeriCorps folks that had a similar experience. And we have over 1 million people that have served in AmeriCorps. And everybody, I can tell you, I've had 25 conversations and a few more than that. Everybody's doing something different. So I just think it's time for us to come together and connect and stay connected and I just feel like there's something really big on the horizon. I want to keep everyone connected. Before we get started, quick shout out to Dan Medeveer from Time Time or Money Services. He's the one helping me produce this podcast. So if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Music or I guess those are the same thing, I don't know, Amazon, um he's the one that helped me get on all those platforms. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much Dan. Um, okay. So now I'm really excited to introduce Paul Nolan, um, who is an AmeriCorps alum and AmeriCorps Vista alum. And I am just so excited because Paul and I met, um, I think, in 2020 maybe 2020, we started serving on this, maybe it's 21, the Service Year Alliance Alumni Committee, um, and we've just connected and stayed connected from this point on. I know we got together in D.C. and had a great drink and uh, a couple years ago, so I am so impressed with your journey, and you just keep doing amazing things, and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. So, Paul, um, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about, like, how you found AmeriCorps and why you even decided to take on this journey, and then we'll go from there. We'll just keep pulling the threads, and uh, we'll go from there. So, Paul,
1: I hand it over to you. Oh, entirely. It it really is a journey, Nikki, and I I first want to thank you for all of the work that you're doing in this space. Uh, You and I both know that AmeriCorps alums is a fantastic beast, and we have tried and will continue to try to wrangle it. And it's really a, a public service that you're doing to, to you. the networking and the connections and to get folks stories out there. I am beyond honored that out of all of the people you could have chosen, <laughs> you have selected me as the next in line. Um, but it really is an, an accomplishment to have more than 20 of these going. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to see where this goes and to support you um, in the best way that I can. But, uh, yeah, where, where would you like to start? Because I feel like, as we were discussing before, um, it really is a, a winding journey with sort of no destination in mind. But I'm happy to sort of talk about how I first found out about AmeriCorps, because that's one of the first questions I like to ask folks when I realize that they're an alum is, oh, how did you, how did you hear about AmeriCorps?
0: Yeah, I think that that is a fantastic place to start. Before we started recording, I was mentioning to Paul that I did a little, I, I did a deep dive and discovered a podcast that he did in 2018, 20,
1: I don't know, I'll have to look sometime around then.
0: Yeah, I'll link it um, from um, uh, University of North Carolina, right?
1: Um, it was in North Carolina State, but North,
0: Carol- sorry. It's, North it's Carolina, sorry, okay. North Carolina State.
1: It's okay. But you one, one is good at basketball and the other is good at football. So gotcha.
0: But you mentioned specifically how you discovered AmeriCorps, and then you tied it into kind of purpose. So yeah, let's start there because um, you know you had a big decision to make when you were introduced to AmeriCorps,
1: and yeah. you followed
0: your values.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, I like telling this this little anecdote, and I'll I'll keep it short, but. Like so many folks, I I went to a a four-year college. It took me four and a half years because sometimes people need a little bit longer to to find their way. Um, But coming up on graduation, I was really thinking to myself, like, okay, what what do I do next? And I had a big boy consulting offer on the table uh, to go do like government consulting work in DC, which seemed like a really cool thing. But I was also sort of toggling back and forth in my brain between that or maybe like grad school was was kind of like in the works up there. You know how like the gears are trying to turn but not quite clicking?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Still like that to this day. Um, And that's when I I really sat down and had a conversation with someone who will then become a, a, a mentor and a friend in my life. Who sat me down, and I, I think I originally sat her down to talk about grad school. And she said, "Absolutely not." <laughs> she said, "Have, wow. you, have you considered?" Um, she said, "Not out of undergrad." Um, she said, "Have you heard of this thing called AmeriCorps?" And that was the first time in my life that I'd really heard like the term AmeriCorps. And she herself was a an alum. She did the program twice, I believe, in New Hampshire. Um, and in. That, that was, again, the, the first instance where I was like, what what is this thing? And I, re- I remember leaving that conversation and going home and Googling it and trying to like patch together the information around what is national service. I feel like Peace Corps gets the luxury of being a, a household name. Wow. Uh, I, I like to believe that one day folks will call the Peace Corps uh, the international version of AmeriCorps yes. rather, <laughs> rather than the other Absolutely. way around. Um, and then it, coincidentally, the, the same gal and, and mentor who told me about AmeriCorps also had a position open, and that that really felt like a good fit for my values, and it felt like a good way for me to take a, take a beat, take a year to kind of stall a little bit, or at least what I thought was stalling, and ended up being quite an active year of service. Um, and that's how I sort of, by a happy accident, like stumbled into the AmeriCorps program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I-, yeah, I and- yeah, I, I think it aligns with um, how how folks tend to find it, and I'm curious, Nikki, how how did you hear about AmeriCorps for the first time? Was <laughs> it also word of mouth?
0: Yeah. Well, no. Yes and no. So um, I was a 15 year returning senior in uh, undergraduate. I kept going back to school, but then I got married and had a family and did these things and had a career and and then I was like, I want to go back to school. So I finished my um, My uh, undergraduate at UMBC here in Maryland, and um, and then I was looking for a job. So a friend of mine was like, "Hey, Anne Arundel County Recreation and Parks is hiring for a volunteer coordinator." I was like, "Sweet, like that's right in my backyard," and it it was environmental science. And I'm like, "Sure." So I applied for it and um, got an interview. And the the park superintendent he interviewed me, and then he's like, "I need you to go to Baltimore to um, interview with these other folks." And I just kept thinking to myself, "Why?" Like, and I you know, silly me. I'm like, is the corporate office for Anne Arundel County in Baltimore? Like, how is this working? Which makes no sense. Right. And fun fact, I went in, I killed the interview. I got the job, but I also got my car towed at the same time because I didn't understand the parking rules in Baltimore. And so that was a whole story in and of itself. So I got the job and the job, and then they're like, show up for this training. And that's when, I'm looking around, I'm like, why am I doing this training with these 20 different people that are doing all different things? And I really, I did not intentionally apply to an AmeriCorps position, but after my, my second week in training, I was really excited. I'm like, I have like joined something that I think is going to be a game changer.
1: Oh, that that is a <laughs> game changer. And it's, it's so funny that I, I'm glad you shared that story because I, I feel like that is sort of a uh an unsatisfying truth about AmeriCorps is <laughs> that a lot of people just kind of stumble their way into it mm-hmm. and you I, w- I would love for for it to be one day where it's you know again a, a purposeful thing that everyone knows about and is a common expectation for people to participate in but it, it is the state of affairs now where folks just kind of find their way into service and service has a way of drawing really good um kind-hearted and thoughtful people into it and, and one other quick comment too, uh, you, you mentioned your car troubles, uh, my mentor and I always joked about that because when she was serving in New Hampshire, she had car troubles. And then when I was serving, I needed new tires on my car. So I think it's, a, again, th- maybe three data points and a very big C, but I don't think it's coincidental that serving in AmeriCorps may also be related to folks having terrible car troubles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, OK, so I'm sure. going to bring it actually bring that to something that's leaps and bounds ahead of where this conversation even needs to go. But, folks, mm-hmm. basically, Paul and I are old friends catching up. So just stay with us here. So when I was executive director for the South Carolina Commission, we had a grant with Service Year Alliance and the Mott Foundation. Oh, I need to get this right. Um, no, it was, I will figure out their name. I know who it was, but anyways, we had a, um, a fund, an emergency fund for AmeriCorps members, and we could grant up to $500 for AmeriCorps members that were in service that were like on track for their hours for unforeseen, um, you know, uh, financial hardships. And, um, we tracked that and 90%, maybe it was 80% were car repairs. Mm -hmm. And out of that, I think that 50% were tires. And, and I mean, that goes, that goes back to actually like the conversation in my previous podcast with uh, Robert Godfrey about like, sometimes the barriers of entry or the barriers of a service year, because you have a thousand dollar repair on your car. That's two months. That's like that's a month's worth of pay sometimes in AmeriCorps year, uh, or AmeriCorps service. So anyways, there's, there's different ways of supplementing, but, um, I just thought that was an interesting fact and, um, that we were talking about vehicles. So,
1: yeah, no, th- th- thank you for validating with, uh, more rigorous data. The intuition that I had, <laughs> <laughs> that car trouble <travel laughs> seems to be a thing with AmeriCorps service and, and yeah, we, we've stumbled our way into like a pretty deep thing already. Right. Which is like, I just- know. <laughs> I know, oops, um, of, of just how difficult and the and constraining the uh, the pay is to do service, and I'm so glad though that you know we have philanthropic partners and nonprofits and others who are are stepping up to supplement because it's um, it's such an honor for folks to step up and want to serve their their country, you know, um, and and to do that through Americorps, and it's just a it's a shame and a tragedy really to to lose them for a financial hardship right so um we, we need we need more of that for sure uh, yeah. I, I could have benefited from that definitely um I, I think I started taking the bus for a while and just realized like oh that's that's it but I also had the privilege of being uh in a service location that was accessible by bus right yeah I served and in my you- state of, of North Carolina and there, there were others who um who didn't have that luxury
0: Right. Um, And the other partners were the um, Schultz Family Foundation and the Aris Foundation in South Carolina. And I just wanted to give them a shout out. Um, But you, your service year, so you're in AmeriCorps Vista and Mm -hmm. you were um, very interested in education. And um, I'm pulling this information from that podcast, but you, um, I think you were connecting folks with um, educational opportunities. Can you talk a little bit about your service? Because it sounded like it really had an impact on you
1: yeah it it definitely had an impact on me and uh the the mechanics of the work it was sort of a statewide uh quasi nonprofit. it was like a an institute based out of of north carolina state university um and we were really thinking through like how do you reach uh at-risk high school youth and provide an, an intervention that gets them thinking earlier about life after high school In the state of North Carolina, in theory, every student is supposed to have a plan for what they do after they graduate high school. Um, Be that Mm -hmm. a four-year traditional college, a two-year, you know, community college, or or technical program, or just you know, a plan to go find a job in the town. Uh, Whatever it looks like, it's a judgment-free thing. But you know, students should have a plan so that when they graduate, they're not looking around wondering what's next. And uh, this institute and I were sort of piloting a a text-based intervention that was designed to get, you know, young high schoolers talking to each other about their plans. Because as we learned, you know, when you throw an adult into the mix, suddenly uh, you're going to get filtered responses, you're going to get a little less candor, a little less honesty. And we figured, you know, if students can have that conversation uh, maturely amongst each other, that, you know, it would be a good first step for them to really think about what they want to do. And I'm I'm very grateful for that that opportunity because I got to do a little bit of travel across the state to areas that I'd never been before. I, I claim North Carolina is home, so I I was pretty familiar with with a lot of it, but got to go in areas that I that I hadn't been before. Um, and and it was eye opening, right, to see like, oh, you know, we're we're all kind of North Carolinians, but your your experience is very different from mine, and um, that's that's definitely part of of. The service experience, right, and, and a through line that I hear when I talk with other alums, that it's very humbling that you're kind of thrown into these positions and tasked to do work that really impacts people's lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned, too, that, like, um, part of VISTA is living at that kind of poverty level, and it's, it's yeah. kind of, you know, if you're going to serve folks that are in this sort of situation, it's like, you kind of have to feel that and understand where people are coming from. Tell me a little bit about what that experience was like for you, especially because you, you did say bye-bye to a big boy job at the time. Um,
1: yeah. Which sounds
0: so weird. Like I, I right. we got to change. Like that's just, yeah. Um, yeah. So what were some of your experiences?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you mentioned that. And the living allowance too is something that is, is a really weedy conversation and, and um we can get, into this more too. But having been at you know AmeriCorps headquarters, like the, the federal agency, the, the operational, you know, heart of this of this apparatus, uh, there, there are spirited, you know, debates and, and conversations around what's w- where's the line between service and, and employment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we kind of teeter that, but uh there, there's sort of uniform agreement right now that the living allowance is is insufficient for folks to really meet their basic needs, which is exactly the, the definition of the living allowance, right? Is that you should be able to live on it. <laughs> but uh, I, I need to look at my pay stubs. I'm pretty sure I served, was it 20, 2016, 17? I think that's somewhere around then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the I believe the annual compensation pre-tax was like $12,500 for the year, which after tax worked its way out to be like maybe like 450 bucks every two weeks I yeah. mean I I was living with five roommates <laughs> in like a town outside of Raleigh like trying to make ends meet and went on food assistance as many AmeriCorps members do and I remember going through that application process and it took me like like half a work day like four or five hours yeah. to go through like all of the paperwork and the steps of that form and I remember thinking my You know, my gosh, if if me, you know, young, college-educated, tech-savvy person, it took me five hours, how long would it take a single mom with two kids, right? Heaven forbid you have, like, limited access to internet. So um, there definitely is a component of the AmeriCorps experience where you are humbled, uh, sometimes by design and sometimes not, uh, by, by the constraints of how you have to make ends meet for the year or more that you're in service hmm
0: yeah definitely that was when I was the um executive director for the Maryland State Service Commission I had come out of the governor's office in a different a different um a different position so I I had known some of the folks in like the the secretary's offices and, and stuff so you know we we reached out to the Department of Human Services at the highest level and said we need to just have a letter for all of the AmeriCorps members who serve in Maryland, that states that they are approved for these benefits or not approved, but they could, um,
1: yeah, um, expedite that process, yeah,
0: exactly. And I'm like, yeah. they're already serving in our community, so we did get that into, but it's still there were still some delays, um, for folks to get um, access to those benefits. But what were some of your during your service year? Because I love let's I love the through line of this podcast because everybody served in national service in some way, shape, or form. Um what and but I am also really interested is like, and then what? Right? Like how um people are stumbling upon upon this podcast who are interested in AmeriCorps. And I've already had people reaching out to me saying like my niece was interested in doing AmeriCorps and I've sent her your podcast and now she really understands like the options out there. So, but I do want to just, um, hover here for a moment, a moment. And what were some of your biggest takeaways from your service year? And what were some moments that you, um, it was just like the aha moments of like, wow, this is really cool.
1: Mm, yeah, I think, oh, that's a, that's a wonderful question. You know, I I definitely think that the most gratifying moments were sort of seeing, d- d- doing some of the more, I guess you would call it like field work, but you know, as, as a member in the VISTA program, like a lot of our work is sort of behind a desk. You know, it, we don't always get the satisfaction that some of the other programs do, like your Teach for Americas or your city years where you're really in, in front doing the mentoring, the tutoring, the teaching, or you're interfacing with people every day. Um, mm-hmm. The VISTA program by design is is a little bit more behind the scenes. But I I got to do some of that work where I got to go out to the high school, actually see the students that I was working with. um, And and that was very gratifying because you're like, oh, that's that's where all the dots sort of connect, right? Yes. Like, oh, yeah, this sort of paper that I was writing and this data I was crunching and this other thing and that other thing over there. Like it's all coming together in sort of a cohesive way in a classroom that makes the experience really satisfying. you know, again, we're, we're not always afforded the the luxury of seeing our impact in the moment. Sometimes mm-hmm. the stuff that we do has a lag to it, right? So who who knows if that conversation affected someone or a group of of students? You know, in that moment, the next week, the next year, uh, I, I like to believe that it did. I don't have the evidence for that, but I I kind of know in my you know in my heart that it was a a good thing that we did. Um, and then yeah, you, you talk about the, the lasting impact. And again, the, the mentor that I mentioned at the at the onset says that service really gets in your bones. And mm. yeah, and, and, and once you do it, you 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 kind of keep it, right? Which is why I think so many people that do AmeriCorps re-enroll for a second year, or in my case, you get hired by the host <laughs> organization because they don't want to lose you. Because uh, yeah, because you, yeah. <laughs> you proved yourself to be valuable, and they want to keep you around. Um, or, or even if you, you know, go and take a private sector job, that's okay too. Folks find their their way into episodic volunteering in their community. But I, I really believe that there's a, a wave of potential among AmeriCorps alums because we've all dedicated, you know, a, a chunk of our lives to this. But I do feel like it really sticks with you in ways that manifest um, in the moment, in in years years later
0: yeah for me um so I was a volunteer coordinator and I I was boots on the ground but I was coordinating opportunities for like community members to volunteer and for me like the most impactful moments were those times that individuals showed up and they obviously were there for some reason not because they wanted to be and they left changed And, and I loved that. I loved being able to set the stage for somebody and say, you know, this is just a plot of land in a park. It has some history. You might be interested in learning about it, whatever you have to be here for six hours. So let's make the best of it. And a lot of times they just left feeling so accomplished. And for me, that was like, so satisfying because having that, like having that, bigger sense of purpose of doing something totally outside yourself. And especially if you don't even want to do it is, is so like, I don't know, I just feel like it, it pours into people's souls. So there's so many different ways when you're an AmeriCorps member that your service impacts in different ways. And particularly for VISTAs, a lot of times the programs are three year Projects. So you could get into a Vista project where you're like, we're going to start this. We have this crazy idea, and you start this, and you're only there for a year. And it's not until two, three, four years later that the whole thing that you dreamt up comes to fruition and it's changed a little bit in mechanics. So, do you even know what like segment of the project year that you were in?
1: Yeah, I I was at the very front end of that. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like that is a sort of like a, a nerdier, you know, it, it's a so cool, nerdy, <laughs> mechanical piece of like how you administer an AmeriCorps grant. Um,
0: right.
1: But, but it's really cool from the member perspective, because yeah, I, I got to like launch the project. And then again, for, for at least my own journey, I was on the staff and after that, but I sort of like oh, overlapped yeah. with the gal who did year two, right. So there was a moment where she was in service, and I had just exited, but we were both in the same office together. And could sort of talk about what it was like to be an AmeriCorps. And again, we we had this like mentor figure in the office who had, who was an alum. So she was a great resource for us, but it, uh, yeah, it, it was very satisfying for me to see not only the year that I contributed, but the next person, if you think of it as a relay race, right. With passing of the baton yeah. and and to know that, um, you know, y- you can take the work as as far as you can in the time that you have, but, you know, with the way these projects are and you, you have to pass the baton with, the theory of change being, you know, at least over a three-year time, hopefully that baton's gotten pretty far, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So I, I, I'd be curious to talk with other alums, specifically of the VISTA program, to see, like, have you ever gone back and checked on, like, the project and, and seen <laughs> where it's at? But uh, yeah, it was it was a very satisfying piece for, for me and my experience.
0: And particularly those VISTAs that started with a binder, and then now everything's online. Like, how did you make that shift, you know?
1: Right, right.
0: So let's go there. Let's talk about, Um, is there any, before we move on from your service year, is there anything that you want to highlight or pinpoint or any shout outs that you want to give?
1: Um, That's it's just, I mean, it, one thing to pick up a, a thread that, that you had mentioned about just sort of the the volunteering piece and how it sticks with you. Um, it, Just for for me, like I, I have the, the, gratification that, you know, I I've made a professional career out of this, right. By being at America um, headquarters now, but still uh, when when I lived in in Washington, DC, I found my way into this like community group. I think it's called like the Logan circle community association and like pick up trash, like the second Saturday Mm -hmm. of every month. And I loved that. And I, I went up and I volunteered and like for a while they had me like writing the newsletter, but it's just, you, you talked about sort of the immediate gratification of, of seeing the results of your, of your service or your volunteerism. And for me, again, even at headquarters, like some of the work that we do, it's hard to even conceptualize the impact that you're having. So even someone like me is still seeking out those like immediate things because it's so clear on that second Saturday of the month that there is trash in the street. And there's a wave of us that sort of systematically work our way down and it's clean after an hour. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that is just so um, gratifying for me, you know, to, to see like, oh, there's a real impact of this volunteerism. So then when I go back to my day job, which feels a little bit more abstracted times, um, I, I can find like a balance between the two. And mm-hmm. I feel like that, uh, that experience sort of embodies itself in the different types of AmeriCorps experiences that folks have. Oh, in, in, entirely. It's it's such a it's such a network and a community. And and when I moved to to Washington D.C., that was one of the first things I did. I was, went looking for the AmeriCorps alums. I said, where where are some people? I am rebuilding my social circles from scratch because I know very few people. Maybe a couple friends from college, but that's about it. And yeah, it's such a, a a convenient and also meaningful way because you know the people that you meet, you're gonna have something in common with right
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh, you're gonna have I, a
0: clean street <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> exactly and I again I one day and you know Nikki that I would love to see we would both love to see like a thriving AmeriCorps alums like chapter base in every in every city across the country but um I, I really do encourage folks that if you don't have an AmeriCorps alums chapter in your area there's a lot of other ways that you can give back too. I mean, my my mom is involved in like the the Tridel alums of Greensboro. You know that there, there are fraternity and sorority groups out there that are still giving their time back. There yes. are college and university alumni associations that rallied the troops to to give their time back. So there's no there's no shortage of opportunities. I've learned for folks to to volunteer their time. I just think it's most important that you you get out there and and do it right.
0: Oh, PSA from Paul Nolan. Here we go. It's important to get out there and volunteer your time. And Mic drop. It,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So we're closing the chapter on your your service okay. year. You intentionally went into your Vista year. You gave up the big boy job, um, and then from what we're learning is that you also got hired. Um, how long did you stay around there? And then what did you do after that?
1: Yeah, I think I was there for a little less than a year. I okay. also sort of stumbled my way into a Fulbright grant and did that thing. Phenomenal. Was there. Can you, for, yeah, go can ahead. You
0: just explain what that is, because I'm going to be on, honest with you. When I went back through your um, LinkedIn profile and everything and looked at everything you did, I work with a colleague Anthony Wagner, who's not an AmeriCorps alum. I would love to have him on the podcast, but he's not an AmeriCorps alum, but he is a Fulbright Scholar alumni and he went to Brazil. And so I would love for you to just, let's give a little shout out to, to that experience as well, because there's so many things that people just don't know about. So tell, give us a little bit about like, how'd you learn about that and what was the process like?
1: Yeah, of, of course. And, you know, I, I think that Fulbright and Peace Corps are not siblings, but perhaps cousins. Mm. <laughs> I tell people if you if you are an American looking to find your way abroad uh, on a government sponsored program, you you can do Peace Corps and volunteer with you know whatever the uh, the the pay might be abroad. Um, or Fulbright is another wonderful alternative. Um, Fulbright is sort of a, an educational exchange as well as a cultural one. Uh, many, uh, n- not not all, there are s- some exceptions, but almost all the countries in the world participate and they send their students to the U.S. and the U.S. sends their students abroad. And similar to AmeriCorps, there are all sorts of flavors, right? You know, in AmeriCorps, you've got your VISTA and your ASN and your NCCC. Fulbright, you have your English teaching assistants. You have... Your scholars who are going abroad to earn a master's degree, um, you have these more niche or, or boutique programs, right? Of uh, the, the, some countries sponsor. Uh, I was in Norway. They had three folks who were like roving scholars, people who are, you know, PhDs, just touring the country, talking to high schoolers. Like, you know, it's um <laughs> Fulbright, it, it really is a network in the same way that Americorps is. I actually feel like Americorps could learn a lot from how Fulbright how sort of runs its model, um, but, but it is, it's an opportunity for folks to go abroad, primarily for education and, uh and to, and to contribute their talents and, and to be a good steward of, of America abroad as well.
0: Do you all see why I needed to have Paul on this podcast? Like we all need to know these things. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. So you did that. So you went to Nor, so you, you were only in um, the position um, at the university uh for a, a little under a year and then you went to Norway
1: yeah and I was I was in Norway for again a little less than a year it was supposed to be a very satisfying 12 months and then around month 10 there was some chatter about a flu from China that no one knew at the time that. <laughs> would, would become <laughs> would become nineteen uh i i remember one of my roommates um uh, like a, a norwegian gal she was, she was very anxious about it she's like she was following the news and somehow i was very relaxed i was like ah it'll be fine like we don't know and then within a week i think the whole country had shut down and you know it, it hit europe about two weeks before it hit the u.s wow. in march of 2020 and uh yeah it talk about a weird experience i was Think the question of our generation will be, you know, where were you when COVID hit? Yeah. Uh, I was in rural Norway. <laughs> uh away from family and close friends. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Like, where are you when like a global plague hits, you know? And what do you do? And uh it, it was quite bizarre. And I've got all, all kinds of stories that I don't know. I we, we can indulge or not around being in a foreign country when I I know, think we need COVID to indulge in
0: no, I think we need to indulge in one, at least one, please one. Just one,
1: just one, because um my my birthday is in early March, so I had actually planned a trip like to the northern part of the country, to, like the Lofoten Islands, which are actually like very difficult to get to. Quite literally, planes, trains, and automobiles, all three, and my own two legs to to get up there. Uh, and I was like in this like remote Lofoten Islands, like as COVID was outbreaking across Europe, and just. The, all of the chaos of what we, what we didn't know, right? Like, are they going to remain open? Like, will Americans be forced to leave? Can they stay? And I was just trying to celebrate my birthday and see the Northern lights <laughs> and the universe just really wasn't going to have it. And, uh, I remember taking like deciding like, okay, I should probably like get back to my home base, uh, just South of Oslo and, little, uh, like a little propeller plane, like flying over the country. And, I think the the Norwegian like King was on TV that night of telling people to stay in their homes and the lights downtown were you could just see them shutting off and folks wow. were shutting down. And that was like that was the start of COVID.
0: Wow. There's I feel like we're gonna have to do a follow-up on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's a whole <laughs> other podcast episode of Yeah. yeah I, like I also surviving the plague abroad. Yeah.
0: I also was a little blindsided by that thing too. I was like, "Oh, it's fine. Like I'm very holistic in my my medicine and, and everything." And I was like, hmm, oregano, you know, tea tree, fine." And it was yeah. like, mm, "How about this is not going to work for everyone." So that so how did you get out of the country? Like
1: So so this is actually a great transition I think because um you know, you, you, you know me well. I I would say that we're friends. Like I'm a very meticulous I love that type A person. I I'm a planner. I like to have my goals. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had this teed up for a while. I sort of knew like, okay, MariCorps and then this thing and then Fulbright and then grad school. It was all teed up in a very pretty queue that I'd cultivated for my life and failed to account for the small fractional possibility that the world would shut down. <laughs> so uh, I, I did. I was like sheltered in place in Norway for about two months uh, when mm-hmm. we didn't know how long this was going to be when it became clear that this was a much longer thing that everyone was going to have to endure. Uh, I, I think in about May is when I mm-hmm. finally decided I, I need to get back home. And again, I was living in Norway. So I, I caught the next plane that I could. I went back to Greensboro, North Carolina and moved in with my mother. Uh, And at that point, like Fulbright did like pay out the remainder of our grant and I'm grateful for them for for doing that. So I had like a little bit of income coming in. But after that, I was unemployed during the pandemic back home with my mother. And this wonderful little plan that I had had just crumbled sort of before my eyes. And Mm -hmm. but like everyone though, COVID affected everyone in different ways in deeply personal ways. And for me, you know, if my if my short-term plan had crumbled, like w- woe is me. Like I, I would get over it, but it was very important and it really did affect me for for a while. But like everyone, just kind of in the home for a while.
0: Yeah, in the in front of the zooms.
1: In front of the zooms. But I had the great opportunity of meeting folks like you of getting involved because you know again service gets in your bones as we Mm -hmm. said Mm -hmm. one of the first things when I was doing unemployed at home like what what do I do oh like they're starting to restart AmeriCorps alums why don't I raise my hand why don't I volunteer for that and then coincidentally position description for AmeriCorps headquarters goes online the government was one of the few people who were still hiring Mm -hmm. during that early onset of COVID Applied for that and with much grace, got my job and started my career in federal service during COVID. From again, my mother's home in Greensboro, North Carolina.
0: We love your mother. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Bonnie.
1: (laughs) A shout out to Bonnie on the
0: podcast. Thank you, Bonnie, (laughs) for so many things. So during so during that um, time, that's when um, you put your name in the hat for. um, It was the. What was the name of the committee? It was really long.
1: Can uh, I, remember. I, I believe that the formal steering title was the Alumni Chapter Steering Committee at Service Year Alliance. Yes. ACSC, which is not the most gratifying acronym, but it is what it is.
0: It is what it is. And so we served on that together for two years, I believe two and a half, I think until 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we started in October. Um, and that was, that was um, really satisfying. And I met, we, we, we got to know other AmeriCorps members across the country and that was really exciting. And maybe that was the first little earworm inside my head. That was like, we can bring people together and have conversations and like learn from each other. Um, and then what was the position that you applied for with the agency during, during that time? Yeah. Was that the fellowship program?
1: It was, I'm, I'm glad you, asked okay. it. um, the, the Eli Siegel fellowship, at um, at the time it was, you know, the corporation for national and community service, but we've mm-hmm. now successfully rebranded the agency as AmeriCorps. Thankfully, that's a lot less of a mouthful and it's the strongest brand that we have. We might as well lean into it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's a fellowship for recently, uh, exited service members. Uh, to lend their time and talents in a different way at the agency headquarters, with the rationale being that, you know, we want to get someone who's been really proximate to the in-service experience at the actual agency itself um, in, in the CEO's office, like the CEO immediate office, so that, you know, those who are in charge, the leadership of the agency, can hear directly from the perspectives of of at least one person. Mm-hmm uh so that when decisions are being made around sensitive things that we've talked about like the living allowance uh folks can hear and there's a representative voice um at the agency which i i give AmeriCorps a lot of credit for for having a fellowship program like that it's also a great way to get younger talent in the door of federal government that's also really difficult right now Mm -hmm. um and it totally transformed my my career uh to, to be eligible, you had to have served like in, in the program. So really my my story traces back to that AmeriCorps VISTA service, but mm-hmm. that, that opened so many doors and then getting to headquarters was a phenomenal experience to say the least.
0: And this was one of the reasons why um, I reached out to you because this fellowship is actually open right now. And I'll make sure that I have all the information in the links, but I, I'm pretty sure Service Year Alliance has an opportunity available and maybe the AmeriCorps agency—I don't know—I I dug around a little bit, but I, I couldn't find um, too up-to-date stuff. But I'll make sure that it's all accurate in the description notes. But um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your experience, so that folks who might be considering applying for this fellowship, they can, you know, learn from somebody who actually went through it. And that's amazing. What? Um, who was the CEO when you were um, when you were in that position? It was. Um,
1: yeah, it was it was Barbara Stewart. Barbara. So. Yeah. I started, yeah, in fall of, of 2020, which was also like the the tail end of the Trump administration and Barbara Stewart is CEO. And then I, I got to to be there at a really interesting time to see all of government transition yeah. from the Trump administration to, to Biden. Um, and with that as well, the agency has political leadership that turns over as well. And then you're, you're kind of in an interim phase because our CEO is a Senate appointed position. So we had... Um, an interim CEO, and then eventually our, our current one uh, was, yeah, was selected. So uh, a really fascinating time to be at AmeriCorps. And for folks who are interested, I, I can confirm that the agency is uh, going gonna to post an updated job description here any day. Oh, great. Oh, uh, great. Yes, I we really need good talent. I, I believe the requirement is that you had to have exited AmeriCorps an AmeriCorps program in the past three years. Again, we, we want you to be reasonably proximate to the service experience to lend that perspective to those of us at headquarters. Um, and it's it's great. It's like a full federal job, you know, with with pay and benefits. So folks, wow, should, should really uh, apply and take advantage of it, especially if you have a an ambition of, of working or staying in the federal space. Because again, we we need young and, and bright talent in, inside of government. And and also, as you mentioned, uh, there are also adjacent fellowships that don't come with a paid federal opportunity, but Service Year is very generous enough to sponsor um, a couple of fellows as well. There's a cash stipend that that comes with that, as well as a a leadership program that's housed out of Brandeis University that folks get admitted to, and you get a pretty um, complete in, in in wholesome leadership curriculum, so there's there's a couple of different avenues, a couple of different tracks. Again, the Americorps experience is always a little bit messier than we'd all like, but a wonderful opportunity for those who are particularly interested.
0: That's so great. And so after you did that fellowship, so not even after, but like during that fellowship period, you really got to see the behind the scenes and the inner workings of the highs and the lows. And, and it was an interesting time, right? Like we were kind of still in a pandemic coming out of a pandemic transitioning. The political scene is very hot, you know, and, um, like talk about like taking the training wheels off, man. Like if (laughs) like you, you were thrown into the fire, right? Like from this point, you kind of were like doing, doing your AmeriCorps stuff and, you know, I'm sure things were challenging, but I can imagine that like that atmosphere had to have been like, okay, okay, let's go. Like, how did you navigate that? And then also along those same lines, like what kind of self-care did you do? Um, or did you find yourself like totally stressed out and like, I need to figure out how to do self-care. Just want to name that, that stuff. Cause I know during that time. I was working so much and I just got to the point where I would just lay on the couch and stare at the ceiling and be like, I don't, I don't know what else I can do. I don't know what else I can do right now, but tell us a little bit about like, what was, what were things like during that time?
1: I know. And I'm, and I'm sorry to hear that that was your experience. I feel like all of us at COVID at one point or several points yeah, at times where we were all laying on the couch, staring at the ceiling or- <laughs> Watching and rewatching whatever was on Netflix. Yes, to, yes. To, to tune out as we're all patiently waiting for the world to to come back online. Um, yeah, I, I think your, your first question was like to to the point of just how much was going on, which for me again this was a sort of like a, a real job. But I started over Zoom, you know, mm-hmm. or technically Microsoft Teams. Uh, and I, I tell people that that whole year was a crash course in building rapport through a computer screen mm-hmm. where so many of my, of my work colleagues at the agency, they'd known each other, you know, in mm-hmm. the office and then transitioned to this virtual environment. I was meeting them, interacting with them for the first time and trying to build like professional working relationships through a, a screen, which is such an interesting thing. Uh, it, or at least it was at the time. We sort of all sort of normalized it three years in now. Uh, So eventually, when I did get to meet some of my colleagues years later, one of my first comments was, oh, you have legs. (laughs) (laughs) Because we we only ever see people, you know, in these little Zoom boxes from the shoulders. up. And by the way,
0: folks, Paul is tall. (laughs) Because <laughs> I met you on Zoom also, and then when we met in D.C., I think last yeah. year, I was yeah. like, oh, wow, you're so tall. <laughs> That's
1: it. The, the, yeah, people don't talk enough about like how, how Zoom is really an, an equity tool. You don't know how tall people are because everyone's sort of the same relative height if you position yourself in the middle of the box. Um, yeah, it it, it, was, it was a crazy time, though, because the, the agency was going through some massive transformation efforts, both operationally yeah. and and public facing, you know, we we rebranded from CNCS to AmeriCorps. We changed the logo, like it was new for new face, new fresh energy to to rally behind. Um, yeah. It, it, in addition to that, like I was managing all of that again from from Greensboro. And to your point about self care, uh, it was hard, right, to know when do you close the laptop?
0: Yeah. Oh. Of,
1: of work, right? And yes how do you stop yourself from just checking work email in, in the evening? I feel like everyone, there was no physical separation of space, at least for me. So your laptop's sort of always present. <laughs> uh, and, and I can't say that I navigated that great. I look back mm-hmm. at that. Sometimes I kick myself of like, oh, I really should have had a better balance. Or, you know, maybe I should have read a book <laughs> during COVID, you know, like done something intellectual for my brain, but... It, I I do try to give myself and everyone grace because we just didn't know like how Mm -hmm. long that was going to be, how hard it was going to be. And the small satisfaction that I had is that Panera Bread, this is not an endorsement. (laughs) That's okay. I'm still looking
0: for sponsors.
1: (laughs) But it is a great number. Maybe Panera Bread is the next sponsor. Um, They had released like their monthly coffee subscription program and like oh. during covid and there's a panera bread almost exactly a mile from my my mother's house where i was living so in the morning like i my mom was would drive to work she worked in healthcare actually which is again another tangent about being in healthcare during covid mm-hmm. but she she would drive me to panera and i would get a large iced coffee <laughs> and- and the inside of Panera was like, I deemed it reasonably safe. So I would stay there for maybe like a couple of minutes and then I would leave and I would walk like the one mile home at seven or seven fifteen in the morning. And I would just listen to NPR. I listen to the birds and I would sip my reasonably free iced coffee from Panera on that walk home. And like, that's how I started my morning. And I did that just routinely like for, for much of COVID and just that's, that, yeah, consistency was so, so needed.
0: That's so, um, that's so simple, but not easy. Like, I love that, that framing where, where habit changes and, um, you know, doing things like that. It's, it's simple. Like that's a simple thing. But it's not easy. It's not easy to get yourself up out of the house and make sure that you're doing those those sorts of things. But everything that you're saying, like just having the sense of being outside and listening to the birds and and moving your body, even if you were probably walking slowly because you were sipping a drink, you know, it's just that um, I can I can visualize that. And I appreciate that um, setting that that into motion. And to try to just start. And there's something about starting your morning off with a routine that just makes you kind of grounded and centered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Cause I, I feel like in retrospect, that was me just grasping for any kind of grounding as we all were, right? We were trying yeah. to find some kind of anchor, something that we kind of had control over during that time as, as someone who was, was really had some fidelity, some strong fidelity to the, to the protocol uh like you know please don't go out and party like please stay in your home Uh, I followed that very much uh but but yeah it was such a simple thing and and I didn't always do it there were times where you know mom would holler at me like are you going to Panera today and I would just groan in bed and be like no I'm not not doing it today yeah so no I I don't want to paint the the idea that it was you know this this thing that I did every day, but mm-hmm. it's enough that it's one of like the core memories that I have during that time. Cause otherwise I have a lot of amnesia as I feel like a yeah. lot of do around how exactly did I pass the time during that, that year?
0: Yeah. And, and the agency was really going through so much transition. I mean, there was so much going on. Like, um, so I can imagine that at that point in everybody's work, when you have, when everything's moving, it's almost like What do you focus on? And, um, you know, I have a really somebody really close to me said you shoot the the closest enemy first. Right. Like You find the thing that you can like tackle in that moment and you just focus on it and you do that and then you move on to the next one. I'm not advocating any any violence, but I'm just saying, like, focus on the thing that you can accomplish First, in that moment, Um, it was just a crazy time, but you made it through. You made it through onto the other side. And now we
1: we, we made it through. We're here on the other side. (laughs) Look at me. I'm going into the the office like as much as I can. I was, we're we're back. We're back, you know? Yeah. Like, fun Um, fact,
0: folks, um, Paul and I were going to try to record this earlier today. um, But he's like, I I got so much going on. He was on his phone. I'm like, just. let's let's just shoot for an evening, so it's a we're both in our in our homes relaxed um and so yeah, like things changed and so it's good.
1: a, a much better headspace and uh yeah there, there's no shortage of interesting work out there even to to this day and back then and I'm really grateful that, yeah, at least the workday was interesting, right that, <laughs> the, the, the brain was tuned on because yeah, um AmeriCorps had a lot going on and no shortage of opportunities to, to contribute something meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, and so you finished. So from that fellowship, did you move straight into the agency? I kind of lost track of like what exactly you did and, you and, and how you got it. <laughs>
1: I swear. You're like
0: I don't know. I'm just still there. I keep getting a paycheck, so that's cool.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm still. I went on. to
0: the doctors, and my my card
1: work. I'm still on the on the payroll. Yeah, uh, But no, it is funny. I was I was doing a, a a look at sort of my own like career journey and also my own personal journey. And it, again, this could be false, but I feel like I've lived in a different city every year for perhaps the past five years. Wow. So even me, I, I wake up sometimes and I'm like, wait, what's my job and what- Where's my bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> the important things, right? And what city am yeah. I in? Um, but yes, no, after after the Siegel Fellowship, to answer your your very specific question, um, yeah, I was, I was hired out of the fellowship into like another more permanent job as like a project manager at the agency, uh, which is nice. Again, that's a theme in my career that, you know, you- you you take a little bit of a sacrifice, a little bit of a pay cut to get your foot in the door, and mm-hmm. then if you demonstrate your value and your talent, which um, shines through for many people, then f- folks don't want to lose good people, right? And I'm I'm definitely the the story of that, and stuck around, and still to this day, even in grad school, I was working for them part time. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to not sever my connection because um, Americorps really is in my heart, and I'm I'm not quite willing yet, at least professionally, to, to let that go.
0: I I understand. I mean, I'm not even doing this professionally. This is a 100% volunteer podcast. A labor I of my, love. It is a labor of love.
1: It's a definition, uh, quite literally a labor of love.
0: <laughs> it, it it truly is. Um, but it's it's so much fun listening to everybody's stories and, and connecting and seeing the community that's happening out there. And and it's um, I love it. I'm I'm just enjoying it, and I think people are too. So yeah. um, and so talk to me a little bit about maybe um, I don't know, what where do you see, can I bring up the strategic plan?
1: you, 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 yes, you may bring up the strategic plan.
0: Okay. Um, so for you all that don't really know how to organize your life, Paul has a, Paul has a strategy where he puts together a strategic, a personal strategic plan for himself as a two-year plan. And, um, you execute that two-year plan. And when we spoke before we were recording, um, you mentioned that you're towards the end of what one of your strategic plans that you started two years ago. So talk to me about that process. Talk to our listeners about that process. And as much as you want, I know I had to really like say, Paul, I'm going to talk to you about this. Um, (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that process and why that's helpful for you.
1: Mm, I I really hope that when you're looking at the analytics of this podcast, when you see a precipitous drop (laughs) in your listener retention, the second I opened my mouth about my life strategic plan, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I do hope that folks stick with it for just a minute because it is it is really cool, or at least I do. Um, Hopefully, fellow planning nerds out there will have some appreciation for it. But I feel like back in college, I, I started setting uh, goals for my life, and then as I got more and more into my professional career, I found different ways of sort of framing like Uh, like a real like strategic plan, you know, organizations have strategic plans, private sector does. Why why don't I have one for my life? Uh, So I do, I I like to plan my life in about two year increments, because that feels tangible enough to me. Uh, There's always that age old interview question, you know, where do you see yourself in five years or 10 years? And I I always appreciate the spirit of that question. But it does really take me out. Because who knows, you know, (laughs) Yes, yes. It's It just it just becomes chaos. We're like, you know, things are clear when it's right in front of your nose and murky mm-hmm. when it's a little bit distant and just absolute fog, you know, in, in the distance. Uh, so for me, though, I really wanted to take advantage of, all right, what's right in front of my nose? And what's like the next thing into that fog that I want to anticipate and, and plan for? So I do, I keep it succinct. I plan in in two year cycles for my personal life. And it's a blend of like personal things I want to accomplish. Right? There's sort of a repetitious one around health and well-being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Maybe one day I'll go to the gym, and <laughs> and there's you always. I feel like
0: you did today.
1: I, I did. I did, and I'm trying to have some fidelity to the plan, and always some career stuff in there as well. But uh, I, I tell folks that you know this doesn't need to be a serious exercise. I, I take it a little bit seriously. I don't have it printed out and pinned to my mirror in my bathroom. Although saying that is probably a good idea. You should probably do that. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't check in with it every day. It's not the reason why I get out of bed. It's not something I check in with even every week. But I, it is something that when I'm fumbling, and I, I fumbled recently, yeah. I just had a really off month. You know, just the whole month was bad. And when I have moments like that, it's nice to go back and say, okay, what what did I really set out to do? And am I being true to that? And I, I found it as a tool to kind of recenter myself.
0: That's a perfect description. And I don't think that I, I actually think that that boosted the analytics to my rambling. So I think it's I think that's in what it sounds like to me, it's um I feel like when people talk about their North Star, it's like this this place that I'm gonna end up and it's my whole being. And there's there's a journey along the way. And it is an in increment of step by step and day by day and every action. And sometimes when you are blown off, off course, you have to re like, where were we going? What was I, what was I thinking? And why was I doing this? I think that's a great opportunity for folks to really kind of I don't know, ground themselves. And I I do think, you know, the COVID pandemic, I don't know, for me, it really transitioned the way that I thought about career and work and I've seen it in people where you know they were in jobs for a long 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 time and they were just like I'm out I'm just consulting now like I'm just taking on projects that make me happy um and I just think that 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 two-year increments um you know it's funny I previous to my service year I was a uh, I I sold gym memberships for anybody that remembers Bally Total Fitness I was one of the top salespeople. <laughs> in Detroit, Michigan. But the thing was, is that like, we sold them in 24 and 36 month memberships. And for some reason, the 24 month membership was always the one that sold the quickest because people could see like, Oh, like if you stick with this in two years, just see where you're going to be. Like, you can't even imagine where you're going to be. Right. And so breaking that it's almost like quarters of your life. So I think it's a fantastic strategy. I love it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm 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 definitely an, an advocate for it. Uh, <laughs> selling gym memberships would be a fantastic thing to add to my strategic plan <laughs> for my <laughs> life. Maybe I'll I'll look into that after this. But uh, yeah, and, and I tell folks too that you know again it, it can be a serious exercise. It can be a fun one, and people talk about carrots and sticks all the time. I was reflecting mm. on this when I walk home uh, about my own plan because I'm I'm starting to think about what's next and. I I would hate for you know your plan to be an overly accountable tool for folks. Mm-hmm. I've definitely fallen into that trap where my strategic plan for my life becomes a a stick, and then I find myself beating myself with it. <laughs> that... and that's such an unpleasant place to be, you know, we're like, yeah. for, you know, your goals, your aspirations, and how you get there should should excite you and should interest you. You can also have some discipline. Again, we would all like to eat more salad and, you know, walk more. (laughs) There's some universal things that I feel like most people want to do. So so discipline is necessary. But yeah, I I try, especially when I'm coming up on the next one to think through, like, how do I inject a little bit more joy into this so that I don't lose the spark of of the things that I want to get done, you know?
0: I, I I love that. Uh I love I, I don't love that you m- might be beating yourself with a stick, but I love
1: <laughs> metaphorically. So
0: I'm yeah, metaphorically. So um I'm rereading the book from Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Um, mm. that was one of the first books that kind of broke my brain open to spirituality. And I was like, holy crap, you know, his thing is like all we have is the now. That's all we have. When we think about the past, we're thinking about the past now, and the future's never here. He talked about like a A pub in um, London that had a a sign in it that said "Beers free tomorrow." Well, it was always there's never tomorrow, right? You would go in, it would say "Beers free tomorrow," right? And so, (laughs) it's the journey, it's the present moment, it's it's what we're engaging in, and we can have aspirations and dreams and and goals and career goals and financial goals and physical goals and all those things and love and whatever. But if we miss the present moment, if we like beat ourselves metaphorically with our future stick and we live in anxiety because we're constantly going that way and we're not like recognizing that, like be here now, sorry, bringing in my spiritual stuff, um, we we forget like kind of like why, why we're going after what we're going. And most of the time we're going after something because we think it's gonna make us feel good. And the, the, um, the magic is when you can feel good, even if you don't have it yet, even if you're not in the job, in the role, have the body, have whatever, if you can find yourself like feeling like I have so much abundance in my life because I have plenty of ice cold water because somebody bought me this lovely corksicle again, not a sponsor, but maybe. maybe, um, Thank God I have cold ice, right? Like that's just putting myself in a good position to think about what my my future goals might be,
1: mm-hmm. and so
0: I think to wrap it back around to your st- strategic planning, um, I like that you said that you don't. It's not regimented where I'm going to hit this goal by this, and if I don't do this, then I'm a failure and I'm just going to give up on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I think you nailed it, and I also think somewhere in there is a business plan for you to to monetize spiritual consulting.
0: Done. <laughs> done. I <laughs> you,
1: you do the spiritual consulting side and then I'll do strategic plans. And between the two of us, this is the yeah. you heard it here first. This is the impetus for like a new business idea.
0: I love that because there's like um there's the logical side, but then there's also you got to work with that left brain creativity, emotion. Okay, done. This, All right.
1: This is the, the the head and heart, I feel like is the yes. thing that people go to. Yeah. So maybe that's why yes. we balance each other out.
0: Absolutely, and that's why you could write the bylaws, and I'm like, let's just pull a pod. let's just pull a group together and have a meeting, and you're like, we yeah. gotta have bylaws <laughs> when we were right, on the yeah. committee.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think oh. it's, yeah, we gravitated toward me, me as operations chair, and you as like, you know, the the de facto think captain of just like getting the things <laughs> done. <laughs>
0: Yes. Um, Paul, this has been so wonderful. I feel like I could talk to you forever and ever and ever. And I feel like there's topics that I said we were going to talk about and we haven't yet. So we'll just have to follow up and do another one. But um, (laughs) yeah. um, So last three things. Number one, um, what else do you want to hit on real quick? And do you want people to know about that you're working on anything about the agency or not the agency, anything just about Paul um, that we should know?
1: Ooh, um, take a time like not necessarily. I feel like I've gotten my plugs in that really. Are you that, sure? Yeah. That I mean, the Siegel Fellowship. I I really want us at AmeriCorps to to get a, a bright, talented young person in the door. I feel like I'm I'm aging out of that too, right? With every passing year, I'm a step removed from that experience, and I I want to make sure that we we get someone in there to to be really helpful and. And for also folks to know that we we could probably use some help, uh, both at at AmeriCorps headquarters and also with this body of work around alums. You know, Nikki, again, I I appreciate you taking up the the banner to do this. Uh, We need more people who can lend a couple hours, who are interested. Uh, It's going to be a while before we get some more organized, formal institution behind this. But it's so needed, and it's it's. I truly believe in my heart and soul that it's the, you know, the the biggest opportunity for the country to unlock the talent of AmeriCorps alums.
0: I love. Oh, can I? I'm going to quote that. That is, I-, I agree. Like as you were saying that, I was just thinking about, you know, one million plus strong, and you know, with with all of our hearts, everything that I've experienced in this podcast is everybody has had. A same and different experience but we all were national we all served a national service and we, some of us stumbled in it accidentally but a lot of folks that I interviewed purposefully looked for an AmeriCorps project or program to do the next thing and then it, like Rachel Dubois Dub, I can't say that correctly Dubois 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 um she did a she did N Triple C and then she did Vista on purpose because she wanted the boots on the ground and then she wanted the the capacity building and behind the scenes and and it's just people like that that are yes there's just so much power there sorry I'm going to go on, on a tangent so my other question for everybody is like what do you, what do you see for this alumni group like you said once this is unleashed but where can we start what can we do
1: what do you mm-hmm. see for us we We start with more podcast episodes.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll get right on that
1: <laughs> And build the movement. And also a shameless plug to join like the LinkedIn group, which seems to be the the largest uh, community, if you will, of of folks interacting, sharing with each other. Uh, again, we we need more more of that. We need more engagement on that it's going to be a a little while before we have any kind of a new technology system that would enable that or staff mm-hmm. and people who are dedicated to that so bear bear with us but in the meantime for folks who who want to volunteer and to contribute more we we need the help
0: yeah and and um, a plug to that linkedin group when i was thinking about this podcast i just dropped a question in there and i had almost 150 people respond And there's this little thing where you can look and see the impressions, which means how many times that you showed up on people's feeds. And it was like 13,000 impressions. Wow. I didn't even know that that was possible. I was like, am I, am I an influencer now? That doesn't mean that.
1: (laughs) When you break LinkedIn, I will make you a certificate and print it off and mail it.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, So yeah. So for now, LinkedIn is a great, there's jobs being posted in there and opportunities and development and um yeah that's a that's a great place um and then the very last question I guess is just how how do we stay connected I mean you mentioned LinkedIn but are there any well maybe not how do we stay connected what are some action things because I know you know my interview with Robert Godfrey was really about advocacy sort of and and that kind of stuff you're behind the scenes of course you can't advocate you can educate um but how can AmeriCorps members get involved either with the agency or like what, what what do you suggest
1: yeah no and I I do feel like that's a good a good disclaimer this is Paul in his his personal hat, not <laughs> yes. hat educating people around things that could be useful um but it, we all know that there are a couple things that are are pain points uh for folks who have the education award that's still considered income when you have to report it for tax purposes uh, that's that's something that you know should should or could be changed in in legislation. Um, we, I'm really curious to hear what what people think in terms of starting a debate around what should the living allowance be. Mm. You know, uh, we, we have some some conversations at headquarters, but I really want to hear from from people. Where where is that line between uh, s- service and and a job? You know, you see the Biden administration strongly pushing for a $15 minimum wage, but you you do run the risk of AmeriCorps looking more and more like a jobs program. At which point, you know, uh, you, you start to question what's what's AmeriCorps and what's Department of Labor. You know, mm. uh, so we, we we need to have a, a conversation among alums around where where do we think that that line is. So those those are two things that the folks could participate in. And and again, just uh, if I would tell anything else, is is tell a friend about AmeriCorps. We're doing a lot to boost recruitment right now. It is a hot job market. Everyone is really looking for, for talent out there. Uh, we, we need people to fill our, our slots. We need people to come to AmeriCorps. It's hard for, for the agency to, to justify you know a, a rapid expansion, something like a civilian climate corps, for example, uh, if we, we can't fill the existing spots that we have. Mm-hmm. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your cousin, sister, brother, tell your grandma. We've got programs for people over 65. Yeah. <laughs> we tend to think about AmeriCorps like a young out of college experience. We have dedicated funding streams and programs for older Americans out there, too. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we need their help uh, and we need their their time and talent. So uh, as the agency works on bigger uh, targeted marketing campaigns, you know, things with, with videos and dollars behind it. Uh, as we both shared our experience at the onset, around just the the power of a personal story from one person to the next, I, I really think that's how we're going to hit our our recruitment goals.
0: That's beautiful, and I I love the plug for um, those folks who didn't serve as young twenty something year olds because I was thirty when I thirty four when I uh, served as a AmeriCorps member, and I you know I didn't know it was a job, was a AmeriCorps position at the time, but. It changed the whole trajectory, and I, the the professional development that I got, and the care, and the and the the camaraderie, I could have never gotten that anywhere else, and um and then also just like to, to highlight again, if you're coming out of college and you're not quite sure what you want to do. Paul's story speaks to that of like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you also have an education award. So if you do want to go into some program afterwards, you will be able to carry um, almost a $7,000, almost an $8,000 education award with you to an institution. And you can look for a school of national service that could possibly um, match that or give you some type of um, incentive for joining their school. So um, yes to everything that you said, Paul, and I so appreciate. Um, I so appreciate your time and your friendship. I am so ha- happy you said we're friends. Yay! I just gained another friend.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I certainly hope we're friends and, and many more memories and and uh, and work ahead. You know, I feel like you and I are in this for the for the long game. So I feel like we need to to multiply our, ourselves and others out there who are listening to this and and want to contribute.
0: Yep. Yeah. And folks, um, is it okay if we can say like, reach out to Paul on LinkedIn, if you have questions about anything?
1: Oh, entirely. I'll be offended if people don't reach out.
0: Oh, you hear that? Don't offend Paul. He works for the agency, the agency.
1: Please send send me a message. <laughs> I'm always willing to set aside time, especially for AmeriCorps.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been so wonderful and such, it just so wonderful catching up. I appreciate your time and thank you so much for, um, you know, rescheduling and making it all work. Um, Paul, you are awesome. And for everyone out there, um, I will see you next week. Um, I already have a couple interviews on the books. So very excited, very busy and uh, looking forward to just connecting to AmeriCorps alums and let's just say connect connected and we'll see y'all later. Bye.